Hi there, and welcome to the show. You're listening to another episode. Every other Tuesday, I release a short story about whatever's going on in the Parks household or whatever's in my head at the time. It's a way for you to get to know me a little better in between my rare disease interviews. I saw a video on Twitter the other day, and there were these neurons in a culture dish squiggling around doing their neuron thing. Perhaps curious, perhaps frantic, trying to find one another, trying to make a connection. Neurons find other neurons with specific chemical signals. And it got me thinking about how this is what it feels like when you're trying to find your people after a genetic disease enters your life. My friend Nina Nazar of the Janssen Foundation made a tweet the other day also that reads, Anyone else find themselves unable to socialize in non-rare disease disability social gatherings? No? Just me? Where's the small talk playbook for the exhausted, worn-out mom, advocate, or patient? Or a paper bag, perhaps? (laughs) I think we can all nod along to that one. I've never been able to happily engage in actual small talk. It's such a waste of valuable time to me. One of the reasons getting my nails done at random places used to be so painful. I do, however, know how to do it exceptionally well, without it feeling disingenuine. Years and years of being a hairstylist, server, bartender gave me a lot of opportunities to practice and find ways to make it not so. The small talk part. A boss and mentor of mine at a salon used to always say, find a way to fall in love with your client no matter what. Now, I don't mean like fall in love, love, but to dig deep, even if they're a troublesome, annoying, or frustrated client. Find something about them to fall in love with. 99% of the time, I could do just that. Even if I detested them in the first place. Maybe it was their love of cooking, something that happened to them in their life, a goal they reached, a change they made, a passion for a certain genre of podcasts, something. And I also found that once I tapped into that piece, I found that I loved about this person, that it opened up so many different things about them that I could see now. Most of the time, eliminating what I didn't like about them in the first place. It was a really important lesson that has served me well as a human being. And you know, this is something that, interestingly, I've had to use for people whom I already love since for getting a diagnosis, when your world is suddenly shot out into space and it's forced to find a new spot in the galaxy from the one that you're used to, I found that I have needed to learn how to fall back in love with so many of my most treasured friends and family. And not because I detested them (laughs) or anything about them now, but because my connection to them was severed in a way in a way that I didn't want to figure out a way to squiggle back or just simply couldn't for whatever reason. Heartbrokenness, jealousy, the injustice of it all, isolation, pain, you name it. For example, my best friends with kids. The friends that, without question, are my most prized possessions. It took a lot of rowing a boat through hell to preserve them. And I mean mentally. They never did anything that hurt me. They never left me alone after Ford. They never didn't show up. It was simply another part of the shock, I suppose. From everything about my life being suddenly different than theirs. Watching their kids grow up and do all the things. 
There's a lot of emotions that come with that. Forever, probably, with each milestone or life event. So when Nita made that tweet, I told her that I found the most comfort in hanging out with my best friend who is single and has no kids. With her, I didn't have to fear the questions, the unintentional comparisons, the twisting tug and pull of being happy for you and sad for me moments, the missing out on my fictional forecast of what I expected, falling into the arms of my single childless friend, quite literally, actually, was one of the safest places I could go to. It not only gave me respite from my situation, but it was the only tether I felt was still there to my old self at the time. We make each other laugh so hard that we cry. We irritate each other like siblings. We like eating and drinking and watching shows. The simple life. The simple life I used to revel in. I guess what I'm saying is, find your safe person, if you can, in the beginning, or whenever you're able to come up for air. Work to find something about yourself you feel like you've lost. Keep pieces of you and just you and hold them tightly. Learn to fall in love with them again. Fall in love with you again. Do whatever you can to squiggle around and latch on, even if they do the unforgivable and move to Ohio. <laughs>